So good. Awesome. Um, we're really excited to be doing Prophetic Intensive Sundays next week. Everyone say next week is not the Prophetic Intensive. What we're going to do is we're going to be giving you some criteria next week. How many people are, are interested in coming to the afternoon services and being part of the Prophetic Intensive? It's going to be super, super fun. It's not going to be like one of the ones that we've run before. It's going to be very panelly. Everyone say panelly. I don't even know if that's a word, but if it was, if it was... And so it's going to be really, really fun. Have a think, if any of you have done them before, we do something called additions and subtractions. It'll be for just over six weeks. I know it says seven there, but it'll be just over. It just finishes just before the end of those. So additions and subtractions, we'll talk about this next week, in the morning service and in the afternoon service. Things that God asks you to maybe let go of for the duration of the prophetic intensive and things that maybe he's going to ask you to add to. He might ask some people to add exercise, let go of coffee. No. In Jesus' name, no. <laughs> but, but it's really, really cool. So we'll be detailing that next week with two weeks. We'll, do, we'll detail it two weeks out. So it's going to be really, really fun. But it would behoove you, as Todd would say, <clears throat> to listen to each of the weeks because the weeks will build on each other. Is that cool? Or at least be here for all of the weeks. And if you, can't, if you do miss one, you'll be able to get it on the podcast too. Very, very good. Very exciting times. Very exciting times. Awesome times to be alive. How many people are excited to be alive? Come on. I'm excited to be alive too. And I'm sure that Kate Gardner is excited to be alive too because she's going to come and preach the word. So come on. Let's welcome her. Come on. Woo! Yeah, why don't we stand and welcome her? Bit of honor in the house for Kate. Okay, well, thanks. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, how good was worship? Thank you to the team. Um, yeah, you pretty much uh, already preached what I was going to, so it's wonderful. You know, you know you're on track when, when everyone's sort of getting the same thing in the Spirit. It really is the Word of the Lord for today. So I'm just, I'm just going to start with prayer. I think that's a good way to launch. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're our God. We thank you that you are with us this afternoon. Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts to hear your word? Would you come as the spirit of counsel, spirit of understanding? Would you lead us into your truth this afternoon that we might be set free? Lord, we bless and honour every heavenly ally. We invite creation and we invite the uh, cloud of witnesses to partake of this also, Lord. If they wish to worship you and to join in learning about you, we invite them. So we bless you, Lord. We just commit this time to you. Would, would it be your words that are released in Jesus' name? Amen. All right. Okay. So if I were to title today's uh, word, I would probably call it something like the cost of comparison. The Lord's been talking to me about this a lot the last couple of years. So it's sort of, I guess it's been brewing for a while, but... Um, yeah, I mean, the cost of comparison. At best, the Lord has taught me, it equals an unfulfilled life. At worst, it's slavery. Either way, it's a lose-lose, right? It's, it's, not, it's bad times. Um, <laughs> I have, okay, I have picked up a couple of funny sayings from hanging out with the FOD people. Bad times. It's actually one of my favorite quotes from Maddie, just so you know. So... Anyway, so anyway, as I started to engage with the Lord about this afternoon and what he wanted to bring, I, uh, I had an encounter, I had a vision, I suppose. Um, sometimes I see things in the spirit, and so I had this vision of, and I'm just, anyway, I'm just going gonna, gonna to start with this to try and help you, bring you on the journey, basically. So 
in this vision, there was a nest, like a bird's nest, and, um, and it had a bunch of eggs and a few chicks, right? And, and they were all at different stages. Some were still in the egg, about to hatch. Some of them were hatching and in that process of, you know, pecking out of the egg. And some had been hatched for a day or two, and, and they were sort of like, uh, you know, running around and such. And I saw these chicks all sort of looking at each other and their different situations, and they were quite unsettled because of that, right? Like the ones in the, in the egg were kind of like bored and frustrated and, and wishing they were somewhere else. And the ones trying to work their way out in this transition basically were like overwhelmed and, and it was hard work. And, and then the ones outside of the egg were like, oh my gosh, it's so different and, and it's so scary and it's so uncomfortable and, and there's eggshell everywhere. And, and so this really, it, it, the dynamic within the nest in the vision of all these different chicks was very unsettled, I suppose, because they were all looking at each other, looking at their circumstances. And then I saw the mother hen just near them, sort of, you know, to the edge of the nest. And I knew that that was the answer, that if the chicks would look to the mother hen and sort of go straight to her, rather than look at each other or look at their own specific circumstances, they would be okay, right? Like, they, they weren't there... Uh, to hatch for hatching's sake, they were there to hatch to go to the mother hen. So that's, that's what I saw for today, right? So I'm going to speak into that a little bit. Is that cool? Awesome. Okay, good, good, good. So, right. I, uh, so maybe six weeks ago, now and then I'll, Jesus is my friend, now and then I'll ask him some sort of just I don't know, questions, I suppose, and, and one of them was, Jesus, what is one of your favourite names for yourself? He has many names, right? Well, he's, a, he's a big God. He's, he's a big God. And, um, and he actually, anyway, it's relevant to today because, uh, he, anyway, uh, do you guys have Matthew 23, 37? If you want to chuck that one up there, it's, uh, and you can read with me if you want, but it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And that is literally what the Lord told me maybe six weeks ago. I was like, okay. And I was sort of talking to him about it. And um, he said, I could have declared myself as the warrior king. I could have said, Jerusalem, I want to rescue you, Jerusalem. I want to be your healer, Jerusalem. I want to be your your provider, but no, it was Jerusalem. I want to be your mother hen. I want to gather you in. I want to be all of those things in one, that nurturing aspect of the mother hen. So, which was fascinating because, you know, like at that time I hadn't yet had the vision from this week, right? So the Lord, he's wise in the way he lays things out. And we've got, you got Psalm 91 where it talks about how we find shelter in the shadow of his wings, right? He, he is... He's a winged one. <laughs> and so, like I said, the point of a chick is not to be hatched. It's, it's, the point of it is, uh, it's, the point is to be close to the hen and then to grow up like the hen. And, uh, and sometimes we get so focused on transition that we forget the point of transition, which is to be closer to him, right? We get so caught up in, in uh, breakthrough and, and you know, landing promises and, and moving mountains that... We, we sometimes get a little distracted from the main thing. So, so yeah, like, transition is good, right? Like, it's, it's a wonderful thing. But if, you, if that is your focus, you've missed it. 
So our next verse, 2 Timothy 2.5, if you want to check that up. says also, so this is Paul talking. Uh, anyway, also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And the reason I want to touch on this is, uh, look, I grew up horse riding. That's my background prior to my little rugby venture the last few years. But So I'm a frustrated horse rider. I'm a horse rider with no horse right now. But the point is, uh, after, like, you know, years of, you get, there's certain core things that you get drilled into you to be a good horse rider. And one of the, eyes up, heels down, eyes up, heels down, right? Heels down keeps your position correct so you don't fall off. Eyes up, because you go where you look. And there's this, and it's the same with driving a car, like, um, is, anyway, I'm going to say it. Sometimes, I'm a little bit like, do I say it, because Dad might listen back to this, but anyway, we'd be driving along, you know, from town to the farm, and, you know, as a kid, obviously, and Dad would be driving, and, and you know, sometimes you're checking out the neighbor's farm, <laughs> sometimes you'd check it out a bit too long, and the car starts to, Dad, you know, <laughs> Because you, look, you end up going where you're looking. You go where your focus is. And I think that's, that verse indicates it so clearly. An athlete has to stay in their lane. They have to be focused. They have to run according to the rules. They have to do what's in front of them to do, right? And so it's the same, like I said, horse riding. You'll fall off if you look at the ground, right? And driving, you'll you know, go off the road if you're not paying attention and focused on where you actually want to go. And so in this case, right, like we're talking about the Lord, obviously, we're talking about him as our mother hen. And it's like, sometimes we go, you know, do you want the, do you want the gift or the giver? Do you, do you want the benefits of the marriage or do you want the marriage itself? Do you want the one to whom you are betrothed? So there's a di- it's a different attitude. It's a different posture of your heart, I suppose. Um, yeah, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just backtrack slightly to that Matthew 23 verse, just the very last bit of it. You chuck it up. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, that's, that's good. You got the visual. And the very last line where it talks about how I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under the wings, but you were not willing. So I did the whole nerdy thing and went back into the original languages and such. And basically, okay, so, so I, do, I don't actually have the words because I'm terrible at pronouncing them. I've just written down the... Uh, the meanings, okay? So how often would I was to delight in, have in mind, to be fond of, and then have gathered in, to brought to bring together, assemble, collected together thy children. It's like your technon, that's a technon child's offspring, it's literally just a child. Um, and you would, so, so it says like, how often would I? I was so fond of this, this is what I had in mind, this is what I wanted to do. Um, and then it goes on to say, uh, you know, the same thing, like, but you would not. <laughs> and so it's, a, it's exactly the same words with the together, delight in, be in mind of, fond of, and then not. The word not there was the absolute negative to an answer, like in answer to something. It was the never, not at all. And so here we have the Lord saying, Jesus, because the passage is, is Jesus coming to Jerusalem and he's lamenting over her. And he's saying, like, I was, I was so fond of, I so wanted to bring you in. I so wanted to be one with you. I so longed to be close to you. And, and Jerusalem's response was the absolute opposite. It wasn't just like, no thanks. It was like, all that, like it was the same emphasis, not. Right? And I, I thought that was profound. 
Um, yeah, and we have free choice. The Lord made us that way for a reason. So, you know, like part of today is talking about choice as well. So, next passage, Luke 19, 44. Oh, you guys are amazing. Thanks, Marissa. Okay, again, Jesus is talking about Jerusalem and he's, and he's prophesying to her, right? Uh, and, he's, and he's prophesying the fall. And, he's, and he said, We're gonna, you're going to be leveled and your children within you to the ground and they'll not leave you with one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. That is, for me, a very confronting verse. Um, and I think uh, <laughs> we all have moments like that, right? And um, uh, my, my youth kids know that I have a favourite, uh, not my youth kids, the youth kids, the kids that I hang out with sometimes, but whatever. The point is, uh, there's this little video that I love. It's a YouTube one. It's a little, it's a Christmas skit. And it's all about how unexpected the boy that the Lord came. I wasn't expecting that. It's like, it's a key, bunch of Kiwi kids. But <laughs> it's literally, anyway, that's the catch cry. It's like, I wasn't every time the Lord's like, I'm going to do this. They won't be expecting that, right? It's, it's fantastic. But I love it because it depicts this so clearly, right? Israel was expecting a warrior to come and deliver them from the Romans, and he came as a babe, and, you know, like, and he came into Jerusalem and they thought, sweet, he's going to do it. He's gonna, they wanted to crown him king. And instead of turning one way to us, the Romans, he turned the other way and drove the moneylenders out of the temple. Like what an what a unusual, unexpected way that the Lord came. And so the Lord comes in ways we don't expect. And that is sometimes how we can miss our day of visitation, I think, because we have certain expectations. We have schema and structures and paradigms. And, and it's, look, it says in Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10, this is one we talk a lot about here at Field of Dreams, about how the heart is deceitful above all things and who can know it, right? And there's this aspect of um, it's hard to know yourself because it's sort of a subconscious reality and I don't personally believe that verse means that humans are inherently evil. I, I don't entirely think that is what it means. I think possibly it's more that we just don't know the lies that we believe. And that is the evil of it. Where it's like, <laughs> look, if, if we were completely unveiled and had absolute truth in all of our hearts right here, right now, I am convinced we would all be shining transfigured, right? So all of us have levels of deceit in our heart, even now. No matter how much you know him or have encountered him in areas of your life, there are, there are parts that you have not. There are parts that need to meet him. And, and so, you know, the heart, it's, it's real. And so this is part of the way that we justify our own crooked ways. This is part of how Jerusalem possibly missed their day of visitation with the Lord. Um, <laughs> I, had a, I had another vision with the Lord a little while ago. I think I told a friend about it. It was... Anyway, Todd was preaching about the supernatural realm. It was a little series he did it this year, I suppose. But um, basically in it, I saw the Lord as Todd was preaching. And he was like a kid on Christmas. He was so excited. He was literally like jumping up and down. And, uh, and I said, what's, like, what's up, you know? And, um, and he just said, I love tearing veils. Like he was so, he loves tearing veils. It's just his favorite thing to do. And so... Anyway, we're going to give him an opportunity for that today. We'll do some ministry at the end. But that attitude of, like, the value for it, right, and the excitement of it. So who was here for Andrew Billings? 
Anybody remember? Okay, not bad, not bad. That's a pretty good number. Um, I really enjoyed his ministry. I really enjoyed him coming. I'm sure I mean, any time someone comes, there's usually a standout thing for each person, right? We're, we're all different, and that's so fine. For me, one of the standout things was his testimony on the Tuesday night. And part of his testimony, for those that weren't there, he had this amazing out-of-body encounter with the Lord where, where he you know, met the Lord and had this experience where he was basically, for a moment, about to be taken down to the pits of hell or at least out of the presence of God. And in that moment, he couldn't speak, but he just cried out in his heart. He inclined his heart, with the, and the word was mercy. The cry was mercy, and that, that struck me. I was like... Uh, mercy is what an opponent cries when they're beaten in a fight. It is the height of humility. It was, it's the extreme of, I've got nothing. <laughs> mercy, it's all you. I've got nothing, right? And, and I think as far as repentance and, and even just that appreciation for, it's all him, okay? And, and so I, anyway, I loved that part of his testimony. And it's such a big part of, I guess, getting over ourselves, for want of a better term, where it's like, look, one of the best pieces of advice I ever received, it's a little harsh, so please don't hear what I'm not saying, but it was basically, it's not about you, right? And as a 14-year-old, I mean, you probably need to hear that sometimes. So it's like, but that's the reality, is it's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's all about him. It's all about his cross. It's all about what he's done. It's all about I, the, the joy of knowing him and being one with him. And, and part of that cry of mercy is, it's all you. Like, geez. So, in this, you know, the first vision I shared with, about the chicks in the nest, when they were focused on themselves, their situation, they were stuck, they were bitter, they were mad, and they were sad. That's a, that's a, that's a bad place to be. But I watched as these chicks changed their focus to the hen and they ran into the mother hen and they were comforted, they were fed, they had purpose, they had place. And this takes humility because it's, you know, for it to not be all about you takes humility. It just does. There's no two ways about it. And Jesus, you know, Jesus' own teachings and all through Proverbs, it talks about the, the humble will be raised up and the proud shall be brought low. It's just, it's like, well, fact of life. <laughs> Um, there's a thing going around Facebook for a while there. Look, is it, a, is it even a preach if you don't chuck in a meme or two, right? Uh, <laughs> but um, it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was more profound than funny to be, so I'll just preface it with that. But basically, this post was talking about how, what would you do if you had one day left on the earth? You know, would you skydive, party, call all your family, have dinner with your friends? Like, and, and, the, and it finished with what Jesus knew. And he washed feet. Like, I think, again, that's profound. He is our king. He is our example. That's, that's humility. So, um, let's go to John 14, 21, 23 to 24. We should be pretty familiar with this one at the moment because Todd has been talking about it a little bit. Okay, so, he, has, he who has my commandments and keeps them. Everybody say keeps them. Well done. <laughs> it is he who loves me. Loves me? Loves who? Aw, oh, 
<laughs> loves the Lord. Very good. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Very good. Do we have the next 23? Yep. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, if I'm going to be a little transparent, I'm going to confess that uh, this actually used to really tick me off. <laughs> this whole passage used to trigger me so much. I was like, it's so religious. It's like, what do you mean I don't, if I don't obey the rules, I don't love you? Of course I love you. I just don't like the rules. You know, like, but it's because it seemed terribly black and white and terribly, eh, eh, the rules, right? Um, but so anyway, the point is the Lord's shown me it in a different way. Because if you're in a marriage, there are rules. If you make a vow of covenant to someone, there are certain things you have to abide by for the prosperity of that marriage. You know, like it's for better or for worse. It means you don't nick off if you suddenly in dire straits financially. It's, it's uh, in sickness and health. So if somebody gets unwell, I mean, you know, you don't abandon them. And it's, you know, it's forsaking all others. So you stay faithful to your married partner. And so the Lord showed me in the same way with, with his words and his commands and his way of doing life. It is the parameters for a healthy, safe life with him. It's not, it's not a religious do and don't. It's a no, no, no. Like, let's do this together. So it's a, it's a far more sweet view. And again, like we have choice. We're Garden of Eden, we have choice. And even where Jesus was lamenting over Jerusalem in the previous passage, they had choice. He chose them. He was very fond of the idea. He greatly desired it. And they greatly desired not to. So we have choice. And the question today is, will you choose him back? See, that was his free will. But we have ours. So we get to choose. So John 15, 16, Marissa is on fire. Okay. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Say, I chose you. And appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Profound. <laughs> because like I said, he has already actioned his free will. You know, the first year of um, internship, I was having a chat with Todd because sometimes you do that in internship. But um, Illuminate, sorry, it's now been renamed. But the point is, he, sometimes you'll get those one-liners that will stick with you or, or mark you. And he was explaining to me, so, so I'm quoting Todd here, I've got to give honour where it's due, obviously. But he, he was saying, you know, people have a receiving problem. <laughs> he said, God doesn't have a giving problem. He's given everything he possibly could. We have a receiving problem. And so I sort of was able to catch hold of that and go, well, I can see the logic in that. I can see that God, God has given everything. So then what do I need to do to open myself to receive? Like, what is it going to take? And so it's been a journey of that, honestly, for the last couple of years. I'm like, okay, God, what Areas do I not trust you in? What areas do we need to go after? What areas do I need to have better soil to receive the seed of your word? And this is it's the divine romance. I swear, he's chosen us so we get to choose him back. And I, you know, I joke sometimes about how Jesus is the original Prince Charming. He's coming back on the white horse with the sword. He's going to sweep us off our feet and take us to the castle in the sky 
Like, it is a divine romance. There is few things more beautiful than that. And when you're in love, it's not all about you anymore. You, you want to lavish your love upon the one that you adore. And look, I'm, I'm in Romans at the moment, uh, and I was literally just this morning reading Romans chapter 2, verse 8. I don't think I gave it to Marissa, but in there it talks about how selfishness and disobedience basically are pathways to hell. <laughs> it's like this, is, you know, this, this incurs the wrath of God. It's like, wow, selfishness. Okay, it's a big deal. <laughs> don't try like, don't be selfish. And so we talk about taking up our cross daily and we talk about, it's very Christianese language. It's very Christian culture. Take up your cross daily, die to yourself. So, oh, cool, what, do, what does that actually mean? And it's like, well, in practical terms, it's obedience. It's not about you, just, just do it. <laughs> it's... I think, you know, we make it harder for ourselves sometimes than we need to. And it's, like I said, if it's a divine romance, it's far more beautiful because it's not dying to self for death's sake, it's dying to self for life's sake. So we've got a passage, Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. I don't... Oh, I did. Good. Well, there we go. This is one of my favourites. Um, no, 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 that's another. No, we didn't. That's fine. Sorry, sorry. Okay, I only gave Marissa like some of my verses because I didn't know how we'd go for time. So the point is, Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 is the passage that talks about my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. The Lord's ways and thoughts are far higher than our own. Oh, go Marissa. There we go. Okay, and so this is what it is to walk in obedience and to step off of our own low-level crooked ways onto his higher straight ways. And, uh, and then Matthew 7, 24 to 27, we've got the parable of building the house upon the sand or the house upon the rock, right? Most of us know that one. Most of us, um, that, that's a different Matthew. That's probably, that's, we'll just park that one for a sec, Marissa. Sorry. I know, I'm just jumping around a little bit. That one is um, coming. So there's a spoiler alert. But no, this is just a... Because most of us know the parable of the man who built about the house upon the sand versus the rock, right? And so, you know, the man that heard and knew built his house upon the sand and it got washed away in the flood. But the man that heard and did built his house upon the rock and it stood the test of time. So it's heard and do, not heard and know. And again, like the practical application of that is obedience. It's like, well, which sometimes is hard. <laughs> but it's worth it because it's not unto death, it's unto life. Okay? We've covered that already. Okay, I'm, I am sharing a few just mini encounters today just because that's one of the main ways the Lord speaks to me. All right? And I have the microphone. So <laughs> good for you. Um, but. <laughs> I had, look, one of the other th conversations I had with the Lord a little while ago, it's probably in the last couple months, um, I just felt his pleasure. It was one of those days where we were just having a, you know, some, some days the Lord is very close and it's a really sweet presence. Some days, not as much, but that seems to be how life goes with the roller coaster of life. But this was one of those really sweet moments with the Lord and I could feel his pleasure and I said, Lord, what are you what in particular pleases you? You know, like it was, it was, and I'm being quite transparent here. This is, it's fine. It's within bounds. But um, 
he, he showed me his pleasure at my obedience. But it, what surprised me, and it did, it genuinely shocked me in the moment, uh, it was the micro decisions that pleased him the most. It was those times that I chose to fast and no one knew. It was the times I got up to worship him in the morning and no one knew. It was the times that I, it was, it, and that I believe is part of true intimacy because it was just me and him. Y'all didn't know about that. And y'all don't get to share in the glory or joy of that. That is intimacy and that pleases him. And it's very doable. It's just, you have to choose. You have to be decided. Give me a sec. I'm just going to have a quick little drink break. Everybody say decided. Woo. Okay, thanks. Okay, so here I feel it necessary to tangent slightly onto the fact that obedience is actually hard sometimes. Uh, and and uh, Jesus himself <laughs> found it hard. And he, again, is our author and perfecter and our example. He is the one who washed feet on his last day. He is our example and our king. And yet he said, Lord, if this cup can pass, let it pass. If there is another way, if there is another scroll, may it be for me. It's hard. He wept. And so I think it's okay to acknowledge that sometimes it's hard, basically. And, and you know, if you, there's a lot of different theologies around suffering and, and, and all that sort of stuff. We, I'm definitely not going down there tonight. Um, but I, I just, I guess wanted, I wanted to give space to acknowledge sometimes obedience is hard. Sometimes dying to self is actually a process. Uh, and James 1 has a lot to say about being perfected through suffering. And I don't think it's because suffering is not good. I don't believe it's from God. I do believe God uses all things. I believe that one of the things that suffering does is it causes us to cry mercy. It causes us to come to the end of ourselves and to realise our desperate need for him, which is the place of genuine humility, right? And like I said, Jesus himself suffered mercy. If you want to chuck up Matthew 27, 37... That's why I had that one there. It says, they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. It's who he was. It's who he is. And yet he was upon the cross. Right? He's not on the cross anymore, thank God. We know that. He is our resurrected, victorious Prince Charming. But he had to go through it. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's good. You can take that down. And it is hard sometimes. We have in our big decisions maybe to get up and preach in front of a bunch of people or to run something that is, you know, more time and more effort and you don't have a lot of time and somebody's asking you to help with something. It's hard. You know, it's a stretch. It takes effort. It takes intention. It takes out of your own personal selfish time and desires, right? And and there, there is pain that we experience that is genuine injustice as well. Like that, you know, so, so that's valid of being acknowledged that, see, I, I don't think I've had a conversation with a single person yet that has not had some amazing story. People are complex. We are created in God's own image. And so everybody has pain. Everybody has family history. Everybody has dreams and desires. People are complex. And so, you know, like, I, I think, I, anyway. 
like I said, I just wanted to acknowledge that part of the process of obedience is recognising the cost and recognising it's worth it. Part of my story is that I was very unhappy for a very long time. And I, thank God, have had a big shift in that part of my world, uh, partly because I was desperate. Like when I, when I moved across a couple of years ago, I'm from Tassie originally, um, I, was not, yeah, I was not in a very good place. And the point is, I was desperate. Like it, this had to work. <laughs> it was this or, well, I don't know, but some other terrible ideas. So it had to work. I was decided, I had chosen, and, and the Lord, thank God, has... As I drew near to him, he drew near to me. See? Like, it's, it's just... <laughs> trying to be good. Um, <laughs> and, then, you know, it's been a process. It's, I've been here two and a half years or whatever it is now, and, and I've never not loved the Lord, but there's been a lot of healing, a lot of deliverance, a lot of exchanges with him, a lot of heart journey and learning what, the, what that even is. And, you know, so, so there's a process. I take it all into account. Don't get me wrong, but... Since getting healing and since having those moments with the Lord where you... See, see Rachel, it, during the worship, she mentioned that moment where you taste of him, that moment where he meets you, where he's crossed eternity. And, and because you've gone, Lord, mercy, and he's right there. And now that I have tasted that, I refuse to not. It is way better. <laughs> his ways are far higher. His... his Thoughts are far sweeter. So you taste and see the Lord is good. And it is kindness, his goodness, that leads you to salvation, that leads you into repentance, leads you into life. Okay? And it says he, he will lead you into all truth and he will show you the paths of life, like, like he being Holy Spirit. And, you know, you have to go to him to be led. And, and he tastes sweet. And I guess, um, yeah, I just... Part of my testimony, I suppose, is I refuse to be the chick that does not run into the mother hen. And I just, I want to encourage you guys, run into the mother hen. Don't look at those around you. Don't look at your circumstances. Don't focus upon the struggle of transition. Run into the mother hen. See, Isaiah 55 is, I'm riffing, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Isaiah 50, I think it's 55, it talks about by his stripes we are healed. Again, one of my favourite passages, but it also talks about in that, in that passage, 55, 53, three, there we go, go team, okay, Isaiah 53, by his stripes we are healed, but it says he bore the punishment for my peace, he bore my grief, he bore my sorrow, I don't have to stay in sorrow or grief, there is a very real process for those things, right, like I said, everyone's had pain, everyone's had reasons to experience sorrow and grief, but you don't stay there because that would be your ways. His ways are joy and life to the full. And that's a process of exchange. It's a process of healing and all that sort of stuff. But it's very doable. And I guess that's part of what I bring, want to bring today is it's doable. You, like, we, we have access. It's not, it's not as hard as we probably think it is sometimes. As one of the lies of the enemy, he makes it so much bigger and more dramatic than it actually is. And I found that for me, part of the process was recognising my own pride because I was accusing the good shepherd of not being good because the good shepherd would not have allowed me to walk down some of the paths I did 
and a good shepherd would have stopped me, right? That was what my heart used to, that was my belief. And, and I had to come to a place where I understood that to think that way was my own crooked thoughts. And it kept me trapped in a matrix of emotions and the lies in my deceitful heart. To think that way was my own crooked thoughts, kept me trapped in a matrix of emotions and the lies of my own deceitful heart. Because any justice I might try to bring is actually injustice. I don't have his higher thoughts and higher ways. He alone is justice and judgment. He alone is truth and mercy, right? And very humbling. That, that is all there is to it. And so the door is in the floor and Jesus himself is our example. Humility is the way. Because you ha- it's not about you. And so I had to take those accusations off the Lord and recognise that it was all him. And, and uh, give up my right to understand, basically. See, death is not the door. Jesus is. This is one of my, hmm, probably, probably one of the, I don't know, bane of my life. That's a bit dramatic. But it's like, if I were to have like a core message, it's like Jesus is the door. There are so many people who don't experience heaven this side of death who could and should because Jesus is the door, not death. It's this blatant lie throughout a lot of the world, but especially the church, right? Thank you. You can clap that. That's good. Jesus is the way. (laughs) I wasn't sorry. (laughs) She started, okay? Um, I was just, it's fine. Feel free. Like, it's cool. You guys know me. Um, we're, We're pretty casual here. You know me, but... I believe heaven is our home as a believer. You are seated in heavenly places with him. You can access it freely anytime through Jesus as your gate. And that if you choose to refuse to come in through him, which is what we do when we accuse him and when we get caught up in our own crooked thoughts and we go, Lord, but you said, and Lord, where were you? And all those accusations we have, that is you choosing to sit outside the door, whereas weeping and darkness and gnashing of teeth. It's, it's a dark place, but you're choosing that. So it takes humility. You have to lay down your right to understand. You have to lay down your accusations. See, one of his names is wonderful, which is beyond your understanding. It's absurdly good. It's a, it's a God Almighty who comes as a baby instead of a warrior king, right? It's a God who came to set the captives free, and yet John was still in prison. It's, it's, it's wonderful, and so you lay down your, your rational thinking, you humble yourself, you give up your right to understand, you go in through the gate because he is the door. And it's hard sometimes, like I said, that it, is, it is hard. But it's doable and you don't have to do it alone. Holy Spirit, help. Jesus, help. The best prayer you can ever pray. One I've prayed regularly because sometimes that's all you've got. Jesus, Help. And you can choose him despite your pain. Pain is it's emotion, it's feeling, but free will is powerful. Trust me, free will is powerful. And then, see, you do all that, and then when you're in his presence, you experience understanding because he is the spirit of understanding. Right? Psalm 36, 9 says, in his light we see light. Psalm 73, 17 talks, I think, I'm pretty sure it's David. It says, when I entered the sanctuary, then I understood So it's a process, but understanding comes. 
But you have to be willing to humble yourself to get to that point first, right? And it's so worth it because his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, rather than this low-level, crooked injustice that we think is justice. Is this, is this making sense? Very good. Okay. So, pain can cause us sometimes to reject our scroll. Everybody say reject scroll. Everyone say bad times. Because <laughs> it is. Bad times. And that's because pain causes us sometimes to accuse God. We, we choose not to trust him. We choose not to come in through the door. We reject the scroll and we reject him. And comparison also causes us to reject scroll. So, I believe that people are part of God's glory. We are, like, like the Lord is astounding. He himself is glorious, but uh, I think I showed the youth kids this last term as well. But if you want to chuck up Isaiah 42, 8, Marissa says, okay, this, this is, I thought this was profound when I saw this. It was one of those little, like, oneness moments. I was like, oh, my gosh. So, okay, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another nor my praise to carved images. But then, <laughs> you jump to John 17, 22. And the glory, everyone say glory, which you, Father, gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. So I genuinely believe people, as God's hands and feet upon the earth, we are part of his glory. We are complex. We are created as his very own workmanship on the earth, his very own image upon the earth to bring his glory to the earth, right? And so I guess what I'm trying to make out of this, the points here is one, you are one with him. He won't share his glory with another, right? He, he's a, the one true God. Hear ye or hear ye. The Lord our God, the Lord is one, right? Two, you are created for his glory, his presence, his wow factor, that X factor, right? The glory. And number three, you are amazing. You are way better than you think you are most of the time. Daryl's pretty good at understanding his levels, which is inspirational. But um, <laughs> I say that with all kindness, I think, um, but no, it really is inspirational because so many of us have no idea of how awesome we actually are. Um, and look, I had a conversation with a friend recently. She was really struggling with, I guess, shame and this sort of thing. It's something I've had to walk out myself. Like, you know, like I said, there's been a lot of deliverance and healing the last couple of years. And she's sort of going, yeah, I know God sees me. He sees Jesus when he looks at me. And I, and I sort of, it struck me, and that does seem to be a common enough expression in Western church, he sees Jesus when he looks at me. True. I don't necessarily disagree with that. But it doesn't negate that he sees you. And so let's, let's have a quick look at John 16, 26 to 27. So this is Jesus speaking. and says, In that day you will ask in my name, I do not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. So it wasn't just Jesus going on our behalf. He's not just seeing Jesus when he looks at us. He sees you. You are wonderful. Everybody say wonderful. Everybody say I am wonderful. Oh, good. Okay. 
We're done. But no, seriously, this is what the Bible says. This is why there's so many verses, because we have to see this. We have to actually start to believe it, because focus, right? You, you, if you only see yourself down here somewhere, you'll end up down there somewhere. If you see yourself seated on, in heavenly places, reigning with the king on the throne, that's, that's what, you'll, that's what you'll, your reality will start to manifest that, Right? You were the joy set before him at the cross. Not in a weird cliche, the Lord loves everyone sort of way. You were the joy set before him at the cross. All that for knowing you. So, yes, okay. How are we doing for time? Good. Great. Okay. <laughs> it always takes longer than I expect when I'm actually up here, but that's okay. Um, I did practice. But then we've had extra bits, but that's fine. So I guess my next, my next little point, I have a dog. I'm a dog person. I like cats. They're okay. I'm a little bit allergic to them. But I have a super cute little Scottish terrier, and she is one of the joys of my life. I'm one of those shameless 20-something years old with a super sport little dog. But, um, but the point is, I do things because it makes her happy. Sometimes I'll go to a different beach than I would have otherwise because she'll get to see dogs. and Like, she's just, she has the best time. It's so cute. But it's... But the point is, like, that brings me joy. That makes my day when I see how much she enjoys it. And the same with parents with their children and, and the Lord with us. It makes his day when we're having a good day. Because, and I only saw this last night, is this, this concept that if we are one with him, he experiences our joy. Not just vicariously. He literally, we are, we are he's the branch, we're the vine, you know. And so it's like, it's like a double boost of joy. It's like, so for us to be in places of sorrow, he's experiencing sorrow, we're withholding his reward of joy. It's profound, that, that concept of oneness. Psalm 16, 11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Everybody say pleasures forevermore. Not bad. Could be a little bit more enthusiastic, but... It's a pretty good topic. It really is, right? Pleasures forevermore. That's what people on drugs are chasing. That's what all the Gnostics and all the yogis and pleasure forevermore. We want to experience enlightenment. We have it in Jesus. How many of us experience that regularly? And this is part of why I, like I said earlier, I am, it's, the, it's one of the passions of my life, <laughs> is to enjoy him. It's a good life. James 1.17, every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. That's one that we all know. And so, so on the back of all this, let's talk about scroll a little bit because as humans and humanity itself, we have a habit of abdicating. We have a habit of rejecting. We just tend to refuse what we were created for. There's a pattern of it in humanity, right? Partly because his ways are higher than ours and he is wonderful. And if you look at some of the greats in the Bible, if you consider Moses who probably should have been murdered as a baby but was raised as an Egyptian prince and then delivered Israel, right? Like, wild story. And you've got Esther who was an orphan but married a pagan king and delivered all of Israel. Absurd. You've got King David who was a shepherd boy, the runt of the litter, the bastard son, and yet ended up ruling over Israel and his throne is established forevermore. So the most unlikely of characters... And we, in our own thoughts and our own ways, will always think of someone better to do our job. 
There will always be someone who is more experienced, who has it more together, who seems better fitting. Moses thought Aaron was the guy for the job. He's like, no, no, he can speak clearly. Aaron is your man, Jesus. Like, God, God, you know, Aaron, go talk to him. And God's like, no, 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 Moses. You were trained as a prince in Egypt. You spent years in the wilderness as a shepherd being humbled. You encountered me at the burning bush. Moses, you're my guy. But we can appreciate, I think, that human logic where we can always see someone more suited. Does this make sense? So it's like a, it's human nature, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And the Lord's been talking to me a lot about this aspect of it. And in Acts, Peter has this vision where he sees this white sheet and there's all these unclean foods and the Lord says, go and eat, right? And that was, you know, when the Gentiles were brought into to the, you know, the covenant with God. But he talks very clearly there about do not call unclean what I have called clean. Do not call good what God has called good. Do not, let me rephrase that. Just retract that. Oh man, it's fine. Do not call bad what God has called good. So God has said that certain things for your life and your creation and your design and your purpose on the earth are good. We call them bad in our own crooked ways. Who are we to tell God that what he has called good is bad? So, so it's, it's, it comes back down to that, who will you choose and who is God of your life? We, we have a habit of trying to go in our own ways very often. And, you know, like, thank God Jesus didn't reject his scroll. Look at the life that came from that death, right? But it cost a lot, but the life that came from it. And so, you know, we've talked about obedience, we've talked about the cost and... And I have discovered every time I've had to lay things down, it only costs what was killing you anyway. It's, it's so true. It's so real. It's like, it's like someone addicted to whatever they're addicted to. We're addicted to our habits and our structures and those things that are slowly killing us anyway. That's the only thing he's asking you to give up is your bad habits, your laziness, your ignorance, your selfish thoughts, your crooked thoughts, your low-level, earthly, carnal ways. Because he wants to pull you up into higher realms, higher ways. He, he, it's, it's like, it's for your own good. <laughs> we make it more difficult for ourselves than it needs to be sometimes. And so on a personal level, I have wrestled a lot with my own scroll. Because I'm human and it's human nature, right? As I have an older sister, I love her dearly. But for a long time, I thought it would be nice to have her life. She's married, she got married young, she has four kids, she's managing a station in Outback Queensland, she's living her dream. And it seems very simple and sensible, <laughs> which is, in a lot of ways, rather different to mine. And I have had to come to terms with my own unusual walk with God and my own unusual path and my own experiences and to relish them for what they are. And so I, I see in the spirit I have since I was young and that in itself has been a wrestle uh, partly because I had a f- good friend throughout my teenage years as I was just discovering the things of the Spirit who had an amazing gift of healing. And I'm a very practical type of person. So we'd be in a meeting or a home group and I'd see an angel, I'd be like, yeah, cool. And they'd heal someone. Like, you could, I guess, I don't know, I can appreciate 
that is, you're like, I want that. <laughs> I want to see lives changed. Like, angels are cool, but I had no understanding. I had no knowledge of how to partner with the angelic back then, right? Thank God I do now. And I love the way the Lord has made me. I love that I engage with the spiritual realm and I can teach others how to and that I can function in that space. I love the way that it has established in me an absolute certainty of the reality of heaven. But it's been a process because the grass always looks greener and for a while there, I was a little chick looking at others rather than the mother hen, right? And trust me, it's a way better place to be snuggled in up under his wings that Psalm 91 reality, rather than over there trying to do it on your own. So I'm, I'm nearly done. You guys have been great. So I'm going to share. I'm going to share a little last vision, and then we're going to do a little bit of ministry on the back of that. Is that cool? Okay. Do you guys want to maybe track the pads on now? If that's cool. Hopefully, you guys can still hear me sufficiently over the top of that. But um. Yeah, I might just have that playing while I share this last vision. Okay. So, again, a little personal, but I think it's acceptable. See, I I had a friend pass away at the start of the year and it was very traumatic circumstances. And it was so bad times. In, in every sense of the word, it was, it was hard. And um, I said Christian was a believer. And, uh, and the reason I'm telling you this is because probably a couple of months after this all happened, I was in a heavenly encounter with the Lord in the library, one of the libraries of heaven. I was just there talking, there's Jesus, there's angels, there's books and scrolls. And, and my friend walks in and, and said friend was not studious at all, like... I would never have expected them to be in a library. And they come in and they're excited and they're telling me how much they're enjoying learning about the Lord and, uh, and, and how wonderful it is. And then the vision sort of flashed and, um, and I saw Jesus going along the library and he was running his fingers like this along the spines of all these books on the shelves. And I knew that the books were people's scrolls But I also knew that they were God's thoughts towards them. And I knew in that that moment I was filled with grief, not because my friend had passed. I was grieved that they had never opened or experienced reading God's thoughts towards them while alive. They had, like, and I could see they'd sort of read the cover and the cover page. And I knew that they could have read the whole book and the grief was over the amount of joy and life they missed out on because they didn't open the book. See, we think we know God's thoughts towards us. We have a lot of things that tell us what God thinks about us. But I I have found He's far kinder than I was ever told and He likes us a lot more than I ever expected. He does. He likes you. He doesn't just love you. And so I just I want to give us an opportunity to let the Lord share some of his thoughts with us today, I suppose. Um, just another thing real quick. I had a 
vision earlier in the year. We were talking about scroll and, and basically I went into this moment where I saw myself in worship and my skin was writing. It was bizarre, but it was my skin, but it was writing. And as, and, and as I, the Lord came up close and the closer he got, the, the white writing that was my skin glowed blue. And so it's this, here's the word, we are a word. Scroll isn't something out there that you chase and look for. Scroll is who you were always designed to be. Scroll is fud language for your purpose, your destiny, your original design, right? For those playing along at home. So, yeah, he is far kinder than you've ever been told, I think. And, uh, and the tragedy is we, we don't necessarily open those books. He is the door, not death. And there's a lot of joy we miss out on because of that. So, if, um, yeah, okay, we're going to land now. I'm going to just administer into this a little bit, if that's all right. So if, um, how about everybody stands up, if that's all right. We're going to do it that way. And if at any point you have possibly rejected part of your scroll, abdicated your scroll, see, in my process of healing the last couple of years, there have been major areas of my life open up that I had never expected. If I had conversations now with me two years ago, we would have argued. <laughs> but I've healed, humbled, and it's, it's astonished me. And to my surprise, I really enjoy these things that I thought I would hate. <laughs> so, yeah, the point is, if you have possibly rejected parts of your scroll, abdicated parts of your scroll or had accusation in your heart against the Lord as a good shepherd. I'm just going to, I want to encourage you to just put your hands out. We're going to, I'm going to lead you in a bit of a prayer. Fairly standard call and response style. All right. Because the question is, what is your scroll? And will you choose him? So, (laughs) thank you, Lord. So if you want to repeat after me. Lord God, we come to you. And we recognise your ways are higher. Your thoughts are higher. And your plans are good. And I choose now, by faith, to repent for any time I have rejected my scroll because of comparison because of abdication or because I have had accusation in my heart towards you Jesus help I choose to humble myself Would you lead me into straight paths? Thank you, Lord. Okay, and again, Lord Jesus, I cry for mercy. I ask for healing. I ask for understanding. And I ask now, that you would cause those parts of my scroll 
that I had rejected to now be revealed and to land in my heart. In Jesus' name. So God, we thank you that you are good, that your plans for us are good, that you are the word and we are a word. Thank you for your angels that go up on your word and that are right now administrating the handing out and receiving of scrolls in this place. Thank you that your thoughts towards us are good. I just ask right now, Lord God, that you would speak your thoughts clearly. Give us ears to hear your thoughts towards us. Without lies, without deceit, without religious expectations. Your wonderful, kind, passionate thoughts. that we might enter into the fullness of joy with you. Thank you that you are safe. You are a good shepherd. So good. Come on. I love that word so much. It was so good. And I love the fact that you told everybody that they're wonderful because they all are so good. Who feels awesome in here? Say, I'm awesome. No, no, no. Say, I'm awesome. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, so good. Listen, guys, it was, it was, wow, it was so good. Kate, thank you so much for sharing vulnerably and and, and yeah, and just ministering to us so, so well this afternoon. How many people got a lot out of that message just now? Really feel like you can go, when we leave here, I really believe that God will be pulling out little parts of that message and ministering to people for, I believe, a little while to come just because we're so rich. So thank you. Thank you again. Wonderful, wonderful. No Tuesday night meeting this week. So please don't come say no Tuesday night. Awesome. But next Sunday, obviously, both services. We look forward to seeing you then. And have a pray over this week about any additions and subtractions that God might be speaking to you about so that you can have three weeks to prepare uh, for the prophetic intensive. So bless you guys. Thank you so much for being with us. Let's give the Lord just a hand or a shout of praise. Come on. Woo. So good. That was, that was an amazing service. Thanks again. Bless you guys. Have a great dinner, and we'll see you next week.